podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. Welcome to Afraid Not, episode number 63, where Christy Rowden joins us and shares an amazing story today. The theme that I wanted to mention in the intro is that God had surprises in store for Christy around every bend that she never knew would be in her path. And now she sees how God wove it all together. What a tapestry that he has created. And so you may feel like that too. You may feel like the things you're dealing with right now, you never saw them coming and you never would have planned whatever your circumstances may be, but you can trust that you have a loving Heavenly Father who is weaving something beautiful for you too. So those surprises may turn out to be some amazing blessings like they have for Christy. We're going to talk today about adoption and specifically adoption from Uganda, other countries. Um, So it's going to be an interesting ride of culture and um, experience combining our culture with another person's culture. So listen in and you're going to enjoy it. Christy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. So fun that you are here. We're thrilled and grateful. And would you start with just telling us a little bit about you, introduce yourself to the listeners, kind of give us a peek into your life. Sure. Uh, my name is Christy Rowden, and I was actually born in Augsburg, Germany. Ooh. <laughs> my dad That's was... so awesome. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Um, I don't remember it because my dad was in the army and I was born in an army hospital and we didn't live there very long, like three months. So, um, after his time in Germany, we moved to Oklahoma city where I was pretty much raised. I lived there all my life. Aren't you all from Oklahoma city too? Yes. We are both from Oklahoma city. Yeah. Like almost every year. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in Oklahoma city. I went to Putnam city high school. Oh, I was a Putnam City North girl. Putnam City North, Putnam City West, Putnam City Original. Oh, my goodness. Representing Putnam City Schools today. I'm still a Panther at heart. No, no, Patriots. Pirates over here. That's right, Pirates. Which is funny because my husband is Sperry Pirates. Oh. So, um... And I went to Putnam City Baptist Church most of my life. Yeah. Growing up. um, Mostly like elementary years and then uh, Cherokee Hills Baptist Mm -hmm. later on in high school. I think we probably know a lot of the same people. (laughs) Which is really cool. Yeah, a lot of them went to North. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Like Charlie Hall. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the way 7th through 12th grade. You did? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I knew that. In fact, listeners, you will get a kick out of this. <laughs> Charlie Hall and I were show choir partners in ninth grade, <laughs> and we did a song called That's What Friends Are For. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two steps inside, and we had a little oh, roll goodness. out, roll back in. Charlie, if this ever reaches your ear, you're awesome. a great partner. <laughs> That's okay. Especially knowing him now, like with his goatee. The cool yeah. thing is seeing God change his life at our senior. Yes. God got a hold of his life and yeah. just really transformed 
and used him in a big way. So pretty cool that that happened. Yeah, <laughs> he has an awesome testimony. Yeah. So um, I once I decided I wanted to go to college, I knew I always wanted to go to OU because all of my family went to OU. And that, that was just kind of expected of me. Sooner. So. <laughs> well, not so fast. <laughs> yes. So um, about a month before I was supposed to go to school, I got a letter in the mail that said they weren't going to have my degree anymore, which at the time was fashion merchandising. Oh. And so I had to hurry and apply to OSU. And so I was basically the traitor of my family. They were really, really bummed that I was going to OSU. Did they refuse to buy orange and black? Yes. And they still do. <laughs> they still do. But, um, so, but now that I look back, it was definitely God's timing because um, I met my husband one of the first weekends of school. And which is kind of funny. We met at a dance club. Yeah, <laughs> he fun. says it was a bar. I say it was a dance club. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked me to dance. And I said, no, thank you. I'm here with my friends. I just want to hang out with my friends. And uh, one of his friends came up to me and was like, what are you doing? You're making the biggest mistake of your life. You need to meet this guy. Mm. And I was like, oh, so okay. Sweet. So so I went we talked. We ended up talking the whole rest of the night. And then we dated all four years of college <laughs> and got married as soon as I graduated. And so that was June of 92. So we've been married for 28 years now. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So um, it was never my dream, really, to even get married or have children. I was so excited about fashion merchandising, and my dream was to become a buyer in New York. Oh, that sounds so, so exciting. Yeah, that was more exciting than <laughs> <laughs> living in Oklahoma. And, um, I just wanted to get out of our state. <laughs> but yeah. um, I ended up getting my degree in fashion merchandising. And then uh, once you get married, your plans often change. Mm -hmm. And so New York did not happen. Um, I ended up getting a retail job in Oklahoma City. If you remember Margo's. I do. I yeah. do remember <laughs> Margo's. Yes. Yeah. And I was an assistant manager there for a couple of years and I just hated it. I hated the hours and selling. That was just not me because I was wanting to be a buyer. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so and my husband was like, well, have you ever thought about going back to school and maybe getting your teaching degree? Because you love to be around kids. And I was like, no, I've never thought about that. <laughs> but I will think about it. And I ended up uh, going to UCO mm -hmm. and taking education courses there. So I, my first semester, I just loved it. I loved all the education classes and ended up getting my early childhood degree from there. And then we decided, okay, let's get out of Oklahoma for just a little bit. We didn't have kids and we weren't tied down to anything. So we moved to Dallas where I got my first teaching job. I was a kindergarten teacher at Grapevine Elementary in Grapevine, Texas. And I loved it there. And um, we just worked really hard to save all of our income so that we could move back here and build a house. And that's what we did. We only stayed for three years and we came back to Owasso 
in 98 and so we've been there for is that like 23 years now <laughs> been in Owasso for 23 years in our house too same oh. house the whole time so <laughs> we built it and then the next year in 99 we had our first daughter Mackenzie and so she's 21 just got married last summer Oh, oh yeah, the daughter Robinson who just got yeah. summer as well. Oh my goodness, so fun! Yeah, yeah. And, and Jill's daughter is getting married in just in a September. Few months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah. Last year was crazy with COVID and trying to plan mm-hmm. the wedding. Oh, oh I yeah. bet. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Was so yeah, but we look back and we see all the things that we never planned that we wouldn't have wanted, but then some things turned out to be even better than we had hoped. So yes, it's, it's an interesting, I know that many people look at COVID and find surprising mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. silver linings with how, you know, things that we would never have done, but because of it, we, you know, yes. So definitely it was actually good timing and they're very happy now. And so um, she's going to school to be a therapist. She goes to RSU, and she works at a local boutique in town. And then uh, two years later, we had our daughter, Abby. So she's a senior right now. She's going to follow the OSU legacy and go to OSU in the fall. <laughs> so we're excited about that. Uh, so for many years after that, I just... Um, Lived in mommy world. I stayed home with them. I knew once um, I had children, I just wanted to stay home with them. Um, even though I hadn't ever even thought I would have, be married or have children. That's just <laughs> how it worked out. And then um, I did a lot of things in the community, but I just really lived inside a bubble. I didn't think much about outside of Owasso at the time. Um, and then I learned about an organization called Project Hope Worldwide, and they're based out of Owasso, and they were needing volunteers and to help get their organization going. It was a new organization, and they were going to build a orphanage in northern Uganda. Wow. And tell, what is the name again of the... Project Hope Worldwide. Project Hope Worldwide. Mm-hmm. And they um, started around 2008, 2009. Um, that's about the time that I came on. And so I helped them fundraise because they were um, in the process of building a, it's kind of like a little village. It was several little homes for children that were considered to be orphans, as well as a school and a medical clinic and a church. And uh, so we did, I did fundraising for them for a while. And then uh, one night, let's see, it was in September of 2010, I was at dinner with some friends, and I got a text from uh, the leader, or one of the co-leaders, and he asked if I would be interested in going to Uganda. Mm-hmm. And he said, wow, you have to think about this quickly because we leave in three months. Oh. <laughs> Time to get a passport. <laughs> yes, I didn't have a passport. Oh, gosh. I didn't have shots mm-hmm. and all that. And I never even dreamed of leaving the United States. And so I had to <laughs> really pray fast and hard about that mm-hmm. choice. And um, 
I just felt like I was supposed to go. I didn't really want to go at the time. I was really nervous about it and leaving my family, leaving my kids when they're little, my girls. Um, but I felt like God wanted me to go. So um, I ended up going with them. They had asked if I would be their uh, blogger. And they wanted me to go get the stories of the first 20 kids that were moving into the home so that we could get them sponsored. And so I went over there to help take pictures and get their stories and everything. And so um, that was a pretty surreal experience being in Africa for the first time. And, yeah. Had you, been, had, to, had you left the United States before? No, not besides being born in Germany, I don't remember. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I thought it was neat that, you know, Africa just sounds cool. Right. And, you know, you think about the Missionary to Africa, and, all that yes. stuff, yeah. <laughs> yes, but I had no desire to go at all. But I went, and um, honestly, for the first several days, I was super scared. And um, just, you know, being in a a minority mm-hmm. in an all-black country, mostly black country. Um, I just felt a little uncomfortable, but it is probably a good uncomfortable feeling for me to feel mm-hmm. so that I can know how they feel as well. Um, so I just loved the people over there and their culture, and I just I couldn't get enough of them, and I just wanted to learn as much as I could about Uganda. But the more I learned is uh, there were so many orphans, and all these orphanages were popping up everywhere in Uganda. And um, not too long ago, there was only like 30 orphanages, and quickly the number rose to like 300 within just a few years. Wow. And I thought, oh, I really wanted to help be a solution to this problem what can I do Mm -hmm. so I came back home and I told my husband I was I was thinking maybe we could sponsor some children to help send them to school but we prayed about it and I strongly felt like God wanted us to adopt from there um which is another crazy thing that I never thought I would do (laughs) (laughs) um and so we began that process it took us a little while to you know really say yes I think this is something that we need to do but um we decided to go ahead and uh, look into adoption from there um and at the time you didn't have to go through an organization and I originally signed up with the organization um but they kept asking for all this money and they weren't telling me where the money was going Mm -hmm. and turns out it's a very corrupt process as well and I didn't like not being in control of where the money went. Mm-hmm. So right. um, we kind of fired that agency. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to learn all I can. And I mm-hmm. ended up doing everything on my own because that way I knew where the money was going and right. how much we should be paying. And so it was a big learning process. Um, but in 2013, we ended up adopting our son, Asher. And he was two years old. <clears throat> and he was at a baby's home, and um, so that was just a really neat experience. We had to live over there for nine weeks while we were adopting him. Wow. Did you bring your girls uh-huh. to that nine weeks? Yeah. 
We homeschooled at the time, which was another thing I never thought I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing the thing. Yeah. Things you never, <laughs> things you never thought you'd do. That's <laughs> the story of my life. I, I would love to hear, what was it like the moment you got to hold Asher for the first time? What were um, some of the emotions and the memories that you cherish from that? Yeah, well, we were sent a few pictures of him beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so... When we got to the baby's home, they walked us in through the gate, and we could see him off in the distance. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there he is. He was just so tiny and so cute, and um, he kind of looked at us like, who are you white people? (laughs) (laughs) But um, I started kind of walking closer to him, and he just reached out for me, and I picked him up. And he just like melted in my arms, in like, oh. like instant bond, and wow. it was just so neat. Um, and other little kids were running around, and they were wanting me to hold them too. And <laughs> almost automatically, he started saying, "My mama way, oh. my mama way," and that oh. means my mama. <laughs> and then he peed on me several times. <laughs> Because they don't have diapers. Marking his territory. <laughs> That's, That's fine. That's what my husband yeah. said. He's marking his territory. <laughs> so, I bet Asher thinks it's so funny today. Oh, he does. Uh-huh. He loves that story. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, bonded really quickly with him. And um, we didn't know at the time that we were going to adopt another child from the same baby's home. But our daughter was also there at the same time. We had only planned on adopting one. We weren't going to adopt anymore. And I have a friend that was there adopting a child, a baby, whenever we were there adopting Asher. And she and her husband were in the nursery, and they were going through with their little video camera. Mm -hmm. And they just happened to stop at our daughter, Mercy. And they were like, oh, look at this little girl. And they started tickling her. And laughing with her and two years later when I learned about her (laughs) and that they couldn't find a home for her locally in in Uganda and the director thought that she would be a good fit for our family and then she is adorable I've seen um, your pictures on Facebook she's so (laughs) cute well thank you um we love her to death she's (laughs) very spirited (laughs) I told my friend that had been there at the time we were adopting, um, that we were considering adopting this little girl that was at the baby's home when we were there adopting the first time. And she's like, oh, I think I have a video of her. And so she went through all her little videos, and she has this little 15-second clip of Mercy. And so I just treasure that so much, you know, because we don't have very many pictures of them before they came to us. So... That was pretty cool. Um, We ended up adopting her in 2016. And um, our whole family went together because we had to go to court together. But my husband had to get back to work this time. And so he didn't get to stay with us. And so the day we had to say goodbye was really hard. We were just all crying because you don't know how long you're going to be there or if you'll be safe. And yeah. if you'll even get to adopt, and mm-hmm. there's just so many unknowns. <clears throat> so um, he went back home, and we went through the process. And it was a hard time because they were also 
voting on their next president, who has been president for many, many years, over 30 years, and it's kind of a corrupt system there as mm-hmm. well in the government, and a lot of people don't want him to be president, and so there was actually a travel ban, and they were saying, people from outside of Uganda, you should stay home, Americans should not be in the country, and I was like, well, I have to be there, I have to, <laughs> we have a court date, we have to go. Right. So, um, God just protected us during that time. There's um, just several times, like one time we were at, um, <laughs> we were on Main Street where they have different vendors set up that were selling mm-hmm. like jewelry and just things, that, crafts that they make and baskets. And I was sitting there talking to somebody that was selling some items and then it was time for us to go into a restaurant to eat our lunch and we walk in and sit down and I had noticed as we were walking in all these soldiers and like they carry huge guns right you know Mm -hmm. openly and I was like what is going on but it's not too unusual to see something like that so we walk in and we sit down and we hear pop 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 and somebody comes running in and says, there's a riot outside the restaurant. <laughs> and God had totally oh, protected scary. us that day. We were like two minutes probably away from being out in that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you had so, your all four yes, of your children with you at that time? Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's so scary. Yeah. That oh. was pretty scary. And um, a lot of the restaurants there are like outdoor seating because they don't have air conditioning mm-hmm. and so we were sitting in the food court area where you um it's just open air and out of nowhere this huge downpour came like the sky had been clearer right before that and all of a sudden this downpour came like rain I've never seen before it was so heavy but it dispersed the crowd and the riot was over after that wow so I feel like that was yeah definitely God protecting us. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. So several things like that happened while we were there, but God protected us. My husband ended up coming at the end whenever we knew that we were going to get to go home. We had been praying to go home by, I think it was March 29th of 2016, Mm -hmm. um, which was Easter day. Like, from the very beginning, we were like, God, Aww. please get us home by Easter. And you got home on Easter? on Easter Day. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. So, that was kind of neat how that worked out. Mm-hmm. I should have specified the day before Easter so that we could get a church on Easter <laughs> right. Day. But, <laughs> but we made it home on Easter Day. So, <laughs> so, that was really neat. What a day of celebration. So. Yes. Celebrating Jesus and celebrating getting home with your baby. Yes. So, and Mercy, what a beautiful name. Thank you. Mercy. Yeah. So you have two biological and two adopted. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And tell us about, uh, you shared how uh, Asher, just getting to hold him. What mm-hmm. about your first time to actually get to see Mercy? What were some of the feelings and emotions and special memories with getting to meet her? Yeah. Well, it was a little different with her. <laughs> she um, had been at the home since she was five weeks old. And so she spoke um, fluent Luganda is the language. And we met her when she was three. And she was just scared to death when she saw us. Mm-hmm. I 
felt so bad for her. <laughs> um, and we met her out front of the baby's home. They brought her out to us. And she just looked at us and cried. <laughs> and it wasn't the same, you know, happy, yeah. <laughs> come hold me feeling. Uh, which I don't blame her at all because we're total strangers to her. So it definitely took a little while uh, longer to bond with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she cried a lot and didn't have the language to tell us what she was upset about. Asher, when he came to us, he didn't know any English. He was nonverbal and he just cried all the time. But he was so attached to us and he just wanted mm-hmm. us to hold him and he would cry if we put him down. <laughs> and then Mercy was kind of the opposite. She cried if we tried to pick her up. And so we've just had to work extra hard with um, bonding with her, but we just see how much progress she's made mm-hmm. since then. And we still have a long road ahead of us, but we're in counseling and uh, we have an awesome therapist that's local so, to Owasso also. I'm so glad that you're wisely doing that. And I think it's really important for families to know that there are as many different adoption stories as there are children. Each is yes. so unique. Yeah. And it's so important to let that story unfold on that child's terms. And just like you accepted the fact that it took Mercy some time that, you know, that was the way that that story unfolded for her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. every child's joining a family is going to be unique for that family, for that child. And and still, there's so many beautiful things about adoption mm-hmm. that we see spiritually with how we are adopted right. from our Heavenly Father, by our Heavenly Father. Um, I'd love to hear, have there been some things that, through the years have meant a lot to you when you think about the physical adoption your family has experienced and the spiritual adoption too. And Mm -hmm. what are some things that you've noticed about those two as you compare? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in a Christian home and I just always felt like, you know, everybody needs a family Mm -hmm. and we're part of God's family if we're Christians. And I just felt so strongly about that whenever I started hearing about the orphans in Uganda. Um, And I just, I knew that God wanted us to adopt and bring a child into a family. And, but once I started looking into it more and learning about the process, um, I've also learned there's so many children in Uganda that are considered orphans, but they're not true orphans. Um, like they'll have, they call them single orphans if they have one parent that's not alive anymore, um, and then a double orphan if both parents are dead. <clears throat> and so, um, I just I kept hearing about all these orphans, but then some are not really truly orphans, and I felt like, well, they need to be in a family at least. They, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be in these orphanages, and that's what helped us decide so quickly that we wanted to try to help put these children and orphan these orphans in homes. But um, So the single orphans, are they in adoptions or are they just with a single parent in Uganda? Well, so many of them are being put in orphanages for sad reasons. Like the 
mother feels like she can't care for them anymore okay. because she's poor or maybe she was raped and mm-hmm. uh, she just doesn't feel like she can care for the child. Maybe she already has eight other children she's trying to raise. And so what I've been focusing on learning more about the last few years is how orphanages need to go away. <laughs> and these the focus needs to be more on orphans going back to their families. Okay. And being reunited with their families. And in Africa especially, there's so many um, extended family that can help mm-hmm. take care of the children. So even if maybe the mother might be mentally ill and she can't care for the child, well, maybe there's an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent that can. And so the focus really needs to be moving from orphan care in an orphanage to family care and getting these kids in families. Mm-hmm. And has that become a passion for you? Yes, definitely. Do you still help with Project Hope worldwide? Yes, I still volunteer with them, and it's kind of neat to watch them progress as well. They have also moved more from um, strictly orphan care mm-hmm. in an orphanage to moving to family care as well. And so they have projects now in Juarez, Mexico, and Nicaragua, and I believe they have a new one in India going on now. And it's moving more towards family care, which is so important right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they still feel a part of their heritage, but they feel like they're with somebody that's in their family. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's important for them to stick with their families if at all possible. We um, tried that with our children. We we hired a private investigator, several private investigators, to make sure that they were truly orphans mm-hmm. and to make sure that they didn't have anybody else in Uganda that could care for them, and they didn't. So we followed through with the with adoption. But if at all possible, it's really best that they can stay in their own country so they can be raised to be leaders in their country. Yeah. So what does that look like now, combining your two bi- biological children with these two adopted children? Mm-hmm. Um, they, the girls love them so much, and it's been neat watching their bond. And, like, every night, of course, Kenzie's married, so she's not at home anymore, but um, every night when I put the kids to bed, they're always like, can you send in Abby? She we want her to say goodnight to us, and, <laughs> and they just have a sweet bond. And um, they, Kinsey and Abby, both say that they want to also adopt someday. So I think that's pretty neat, also. Mm-hmm. What are some things that your family's done with embracing the Ugandan culture and letting your adopted children still own that, as as well as be fully your family members? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We try to do quite a bit with that. We think it's very important for their culture to stay alive in our family. And um, I've actually been back to Uganda five times now. (laughs) I've been Mm, on five trips. So each time I go, I try to buy as much as I can from the markets. Um, Just unique decorative items for our home and clothes for them to wear that are specifically from there. Um, 
I've also developed relationships over the years with some of the single moms that make things, make crafts there. And yeah, I've noticed that, like, some of our Owasso craft fairs, that you have, like, a mm-hmm. booth of Ugandan-type yes. yeah. stuff that you're selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got um, a couple booths around town. I have one at Bless Your Heart Boutique in Owasso. I absolutely love Bless Your Heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I'll be looking for the Uganda wares yes. next time I'm in there. It's called Uganda Bags and Beads. Okay. So I have a booth there, and then I have a booth at Farm Hippie in Collinsville. Awesome. So if someone purchases um, mm-hmm. one of the bags, does the money, part of it go towards the single mom mm-hmm. in Uganda? Yes, yes. A hundred percent goes. Oh, awesome. So I just, I get um, shipments in every once in a while from people that have been to Uganda, and they bring me mm-hmm. back things to sell, and I don't keep any of it. So a hundred percent goes back to the single moms, and also to send kids to school there in Uganda. So that's a couple things that we do. We also, um, I try to get as many children's books as I can that talk about Africa and mm-hmm. their culture. And we watch videos all the time. And one of the neatest things that we've done is um, when I came back with Asher, we uh, sought out other families in the area that have also adopted from Uganda. And come to find out there's actually quite a few in Oklahoma. And so I started a Facebook group for anyone in Oklahoma that has adopted from Uganda. And then I also started a smaller group for those in our area in Tulsa. And so there's about, I don't know, 10 or so families in it, 10 to 15. And we used to try to get together every month and just have like a play date or a family night where we get together and eat a dinner. Um, but now everybody's kind of busy and our kids are older. Mm-hmm. So we don't get together as often as we would like. But usually once every few months we try to get together and we stay in touch. And I really feel like those mamas are my tribe. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can be with other adoptive families in our area which is kind of neat just having that connection, but to be with other moms that have adopted from Uganda and have gone through the same experiences. And just whenever we talk about things that have happened to our kids, they're like, oh yeah, that's happened to us too. (laughs) So that's been a huge thing for us. Even today, Mercy got her hair done and two of her friends in the group got their hair done at the same time. (laughs) Oh, fine. And so we go to a little African-American hair salon in Tulsa, and they got their hair done together, so mm-hmm. that was really fun for them. It's special. So what is that like? Talk about that a little bit, being a um, a white family raising African-American or, yeah, African mm-hmm. children. Yeah. It's definitely been a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think about it whenever we were adopting, even when we were in the process of adopting Aster, I never thought much about the trauma that these kids have gone through and, you know, the loss that kids suffer whenever they, you know, everybody thinks it's beautiful. Adoption is so beautiful, but you don't think about the child side that, mm-hmm. you know, all they're losing, mm-hmm. and especially international adoption, they're losing their whole life that they knew over there and 
being brought over to a different country. Um, and then tie in having white parents, you know, that can be hard. But being in this playgroup, I think, helps normalize it because I see their mm-hmm. friends that have white parents as well. And it's just been challenging, you know, just with all the recent events that have been happening. And mm-hmm. we've had to have some really hard conversations. And not too long ago, we had talked about the Tulsa race riots. Mm-hmm. And that same day we were going to Tulsa, they signed up to be in a poster contest at uh, the Greenwood uh, Cultural Center, Greenwood Cultural Center. And so we were going to go deliver those to the center. And I thought, well, while we're down there, I probably should tell them ahead of time, you know, the history and what had happened and everything. And that was just a super hard day for them. Because you're like, we don't understand why somebody would hate so much. Mm-hmm. You know, why would they kill all these people mm-hmm. just because of their skin color? It was so evil. Yes. Yeah. In fact, this May, late May or early June, is the 100th anniversary of yes. the Tulsa massacre, and I I know that we want to be in our community. We want to be a part of bringing awareness and, and healing yeah. and not just covering it up. It's so mm-hmm. wrong that for so many years that was just covered up. Right, yes. for sure. And and somehow treated as if that's not going to be historically relevant. It's so wrong. And uh, we want to be a part of bringing light to darkness mm-hmm. <laughs> and overcoming hate. And and I know that that is, it must be really um, as a parent of a child who will say, well, that's the way I look to feel like, are there people that are going to hate me? Mm-hmm. And just, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. For several weeks after we had that conversation, and my kids, especially Asher, they would have nightmares at night. And mm-hmm. I'd hear them just whimpering or crying during the night. And I'd go in and he'd be like, I don't even want to grow up because I'm scared. I'm scared of what's going to happen to me mm. when I'm a teenager or a young adult. And so I had to, <laughs> we had to talk through all that. That's been a little difficult. But mm-hmm. I also um, really try to get, of course, I love children's books. So I get as many children's books as I can that have um, black people in it that are positive role models for the kids. Mm-hmm. So we've read lots of books on Carriot Tubman and Rosa Parks and learning all of their stories and I think that gives them hope too because they see Mm -hmm. the great things that they did and I'm like you you can do those great things too it doesn't matter what color you are right (laughs) absolutely so has that been um are there other challenges that you've noticed like you mentioned getting Mercy's hair done and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like are those other things culturally that you've kind of noticed that you've had to educate yourself on? Yes. Yes, for sure. I think a lot of organizations now are much better about requiring mm-hmm. you to take classes on hair care and skin care and all that. And when we signed up with Asher to adopt him, we weren't really required to do that. And we kind of went into it just naively, just thinking, oh, we'll figure it out. And 
um, I learned quickly that black hair is very different than white hair. <laughs> and um, so I had to watch lots of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And I've luckily found some great hairstylists in our area to help me as well. And um, so that's definitely been a, lear- a huge learning process. And even the skin care, because their knees and elbows get so dried out easily. And mm-hmm what ashy skin is and <laughs> you just have to constantly be aware of that but um they enjoy helping take care of their hair and Marcy's made a few videos on <laughs> her doing her hair and cool yeah she loves to do videos and she likes and um, doing tutorials talking about <laughs> all her hair products and everything <laughs> so how old are all your kids now you have your two that are mm-hmm. yours yes Kinsey is 21. Right, well, actually, 21. Yes, and Abby is 18. Mm-hmm. Asher is now 10, and Mercy is 8, I have to think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you kind of started a whole new life with yes. these two. Yes, that's been a challenge for sure, because I am now 51, <laughs> and so it was like starting over. Mm-hmm having little kids and, and I, my two oldest, you know, and my husband and I are just kind of mellow and quiet and laid back. And even Asher's pretty quiet. And then there's Mercy who's very <laughs> spirited. And I know. I love watching your Facebook stuff. She's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. She loves to sing and dance. We put a little dance stage in her bedroom she gets oh, up there in the, with her karaoke machine and just sings. Sounds <laughs> like she brings the party to the house. <laughs> she does. I think God has big plans for her. She <laughs> says she's going to save up and buy her own traveling bus with her picture on the side, and she's going to have concerts and tell everybody about Jesus. Oh, I so love it. It'll be interesting to see what she does. So do you have any um, recommendations for people that maybe either are considering adoption or considering multicultural adoption? Mm -hmm. Yes. I will um, give you guys lots of resources that we can put in your show notes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, As far as locally, we have a great foster care and adoption agency it's called family for life and they're based out of Owasso and um it's run by Rhonda Davis and her husband and they are awesome people and they focus mostly on foster care and so they will help place children in foster care families here in Owasso um next door to them they're located over by the movie theater And so Mm -hmm. next door to them is Legacy Family Network, and they are an adoption and foster care support group. And we have meetings twice a month, and so they've been a huge support for those in our area. And I also have, I was telling you before the show started, that I have um, lots of podcasts I listen to. Yeah. So I've. I'll include all those, but I have several that are my favorites for adoption and orphan care. Uh, one of my favorites is called Parenting After Trauma with Robin Goble. 
and she's so awesome. And I just love learning all that she has to share because it's all about trauma and how it yeah. affects the brain. Mm-hmm. And I just have a lot to learn about that. So I just, I try to learn as much as I can from her. She does a lot of workshops and has lots of videos and her podcast is just really helpful. And there's also several books that I would recommend. Um, One that I'll touch on is called The Connected Child, which is probably one of the most popular adoption books. It was written by Dr. Karen Purvis. And it's just been a huge help because, um, like I said, going into it naively, I just thought, oh, we can just love on these kids and everything's going to be happy. And then you realize, oh, trauma is real. And yeah. <laughs> that's just a whole different ballgame with discipline and all mm-hmm. that. So um, Dr. Karen Purvis talks about TBRI, which is called Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And it's all about parenting with connection, connecting with your kids. And, and it's just so healing for their brains. And it's just so good. I don't think we connect, even with kids that are American, like just in American culture, the trauma that affects them and how that plays out. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're adopting from another country and bringing them to this culture, the trauma that they're facing is a lot. I mean, we can't even really conceptualize what all that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard on their little brains. Mm-hmm. And if you can discipline in a way that's connecting mm-hmm. and that they feel safe then that just is all the difference in the world. Because if they're not feeling safe, then that's when they're going to act out. Mm-hmm. And so this TBRI, the TBRI principles. Would that be something for, like, even any parent dealing oh, yeah. with, a stu- with a child that's dealing with trauma that they could use? Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. They, um, if you look on YouTube, mm-hmm. there's lots of Dr. Karen Purvis um, videos that are so helpful, and it's any parent can benefit from listening to him, and even uh, teachers as well, and those that work with children, mm-hmm. um, because it's just a different way of connecting with kids. And, right, right. Yeah. You've given us such a goldmine of resources and your own story. I'm just so glad that you were willing to talk with us and tell these important things to us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad we had you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. We're so glad that you have listened today to this story that Christy shared. And I want to remind you, wherever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you're going through, that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. And the adoption that He has extended to us as his children is so mind-blowing. 1 John 3, 1 says in the NIV version, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Truly, we are adopted into the family of God, and his adoption is even more lasting and more permanent and more eternal than 
the adoption in our world. That's a thought that you can just take and tuck into your heart today to know your Heavenly Father loves you. Yes, and I wish you could see my dog Betty right now who's perched her little head on the table and is so excited to listen because she's adopted in this family and she's so excited to listen. Um, also, if you will rate, review, and subscribe, that will help increase our viewership and we appreciate you all listening so much and we love you all so much. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in your earbuds in two weeks.